is Australia. This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Hello and welcome back to another week of news from the trough. The Batuta Advocates wrap-up of the week in federal politics and politics a little bit more generally. I'm Wendell Hussey. I've got Les Burley with me here again today. How are you, Les? Yeah, pretty good. Happy to be here. Happy to get the news out to the world from the trough. How is the trough, by the way? It's been a little bit quiet, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a quieter week. Um, I think there was a lot of news happening in you know the weeks leading up to this last week, and maybe people got a bit tired, got a bit sleepy, or maybe people are preparing to call an election and are bunkering down mm. in their offices until they do so. I noticed you did trip to Questacon over the weekend. That was quite nice. Oh, yeah, you know, just, just a nice weekend out. Uh, it's good yep. to see the sights and smell the smells and taste the tastes of Canberra. Lovely, lovely. All right. Well, we'll get into this week's edition with our quick hits. And we're going to run up first with our quote of the week, which is from Labor Senator Penny Wong. And this comes um, in the aftermath of the passing of Labor Senator Kimberly Kitching. We'll touch on this uh, in the episode. But the quote that has been getting a bit of airtime and will continue to get airtime is from Penny Wong, who allegedly said to Kitching in a policy debate in 2019 about climate change, well, if you had children you might understand why there is a climate emergency. So Senator Wong has since uh, spoken about this, saying... My motivation in that exchange wasn't to personally attack her. Uh, My motivation was to express the distress that many children feel about climate change. Uh, But what I said was insensitive. I regret it. And... Uh, I apologised as I should. So she has admitted that she was probably being a bit insensitive, but her motivation was around this issue. We move on to our clangor of the week, and it is a fair clangor. It is from the Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, who, um, when speaking in a Sky News public forum, uh, the pub test, I believe it, it was, with Paul Murray, the Aldi Alan Jones, he said in response to those comments from Albo about all his weight loss, he said this. We're still wearing the same glasses. <laughs> Sadly, the same suits. Um, and I... W- <laughs> And I weigh about the same, and I don't mind a bit of Italian cake either. Um, So I'm happy in my own skin. I'm not pretending to be anyone else. He's really not, is he? No, no, no. He's definitely not pretending to be a rugby league, diehard, beer-loving bloke from the Shire. (laughs) You know, he's definitely not um, running away from the fact that he grew up in a wealthy household in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and went to university to study economic geography. That's definitely not the persona that he's, um, he's pretending not to be. And similar to Wong, he's also come out and somewhat apologised in that he said... No, he wasn't trying to bully because people did ask him, you know, was this comment a bit below the belt? And he said, I'm sure that he's not that precious in reference to Albanese. Last night I was having a giggle at myself. I was talking about the fact that I hadn't lost any weight and I hadn't changed my glasses and that I'm still wearing the same suits. 
obviously there's a lot of men around the country who are thinking a little bit about their health after the recent events um, regarding Shane Warne. So, you know, it was it was a comment that drew the ire of a lot of people. Now, we finish up with our rogue unit of the week, and it is the New South Wales Liberal MP, Catherine Cusack, who's announced her resignation over the federal flood funding relief list. Yeah, so the ABC reported that CUSAC is outraged by how funds have been allocated to flood victims in the Northern Rivers. So the Nationals-held seat of Page was given more money than the Labor-held seat of Richmond. And there's a few other examples of this as well, where essentially it hasn't been the same amount of money distributed everywhere. And Catherine Cusack has resigned, saying that she's just Mm. fed up and doesn't want to deal with it anymore. She's walking. A big play from Catherine there. Got to take your hat off to someone um, doing doing something like that with real conviction. Yeah. But I ain't spending any time on it. Now, we get into the big topics of the week. We're going to talk about allegations of bullying within the Labor Party and all that factional warfare stuff, as well as the cost of living. But we'll just start off quickly. There was another election over the weekend. Obviously, in a couple of months' time, we're going to have the big federal election, but they had another election down there in South Australia, which... uh, as we revealed in the Baturda Advocate newspaper, is to elect their Lord Mayor. Um, Obviously, the capital town's not quite big enough for a Premier yet. They might get there one day, and um, although I do believe they refer to it as a Premier locally, the rest of the nation refers to it as the Mayor of South Australia. They believe that it is going to have some implication on this upcoming federal election. We saw the Australian Labor Party representative, Peter Malinowskis, storm home. They um, absolutely smoked the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party only have, I think, nine of the 47 seats allocated to them so far. I think there's still six in doubt, but it was a huge, huge landslide going against the former incumbent government who was the Liberal Party led by Stephen Marshall. Yeah, so the votes are still being counted, but at this stage, the ALP, so the Labor Party, had a swing of plus 7.6%, which is actually quite significant. The Liberal Party had minus 13.3%. The Greens um, bumped up a little bit. And the biggest change is that SA Best, which was formerly known as the Xenophon Party, didn't have anyone run this time around. So we can kind of assume that a lot of their votes potentially went to Labor. And so it's Mm. a pretty significant election because it's the first change in government since the COVID pandemic began. It's also the first time in South Australia for someone to um, lose government after being there for one term. So I guess in the lead up to a federal election, people are asking, does this reflect the sentiment around the federal Liberal Party or is it actually just localised to this state and how they feel about the state Liberal Party? And I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it's an interesting one. There's been a fair few opinion pieces about what it means. Obviously, at a state level, there's different issues, like there was a stuff in regards to the public health system and issues with that, um, ambulance ramping, for example, but obviously so close to a federal election, such huge swing against the Liberal Party. There are people wondering if that is going to play out at a more um, federal level. But there's also one interesting thing that has come out of it is that generally it's given that it's much easier to win government from government if you're the incumbent government it's easier to win an election it's quite tricky to win from opposition so to see not only a win from opposition but such a huge win from opposition it indicates that maybe there could be 
a huge swing like that at a federal level. And, you know, obviously with the whole pandemic thing that we've had over the last couple of years, whether it's, you know, just general discontent at government in general about the way this whole thing's been handled. So it ends up being a vote for the opposition. As you said, we'll see in a couple of weeks' time. But I ain't spending any time on it. So the incoming Premier ran a campaign around his working class background. So he really lent hard into being a former Woolies employee, into coming up through the unions, which actually leads us to our next section, which is the cost of living. Yeah, it is. It's been a huge topic over the last couple of weeks, really, but it's really ramped up. Trolley boy Malinowskis was referencing that and all of our federal politicians have been have been talking about it. Obviously, if you've been to the supermarket, you would have noticed prices are starting to go up. Petrol prices are through the roof. All of these things are starting to increase a little bit. Um, it's expected, you know, a cup of coffee is going to go up. We're going to have potentially Perth prices around the rest of the country for a cup of coffee soon. The cost of living is starting to be felt and it's starting to become an issue that people are angry about and are asking our politicians to do something about. Absolutely. So if we're going to face Perth prices, then Perth is going to face Switzerland prices. Like it's just going to keep going. So the major supermarkets have flagged that they are expecting to see prices rise in their supermarkets. So they're kind of cushioning us for the blow. And as you said, the federal politicians on all sides of government have been coming out to speak about this more in the last few weeks than they have in the last kind of six months. So, you know, we might sound a little bit like a nightly affairs program on your favorite commercial television network saying, you know, cost of living's <laughs> going up, your wages are going down. But it's important we address it because we need to know what the bloody hell the government's going to do about it because our wages are simply not increasing at the same Right. So the federal treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, has committed to including some sort of relief in the next federal budget, which is due to be announced next week, which we will cover at some point. And this is what he had to say. We fully understand that the number one topic around the kitchen tables of Australia is cost of living. And so there will be some relief in this budget. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg there. But yeah, he hasn't actually outlined specifically what the government is going to do to ease the pressure on the cost of living at the moment. Um, They did float some ideas about tax cuts. That's been hosed down now. It's been replaced by a one-off cash payment of around maybe two to $300, which is apparently going to land in everybody's bank account uh, before the election which is going to apparently land in everyone's bank account in the next couple of months. They haven't actually specified the exact amount, but they have promised that it would be there before May, which is when we're expecting an election. And as a result of that, there have been allegations swirling around that maybe this is a bit of a carrot that's being dangled for voters ahead of the upcoming federal election where they want the people of Australia to vote for them. So, yeah, plenty of people have said it's a little bit cynical and um, obviously they've been... And obviously there are concerns about this simply just being a short-term, short-sighted policy. And obviously there's concerns about this just being really short-sighted and a short-term fix to the issue of the rising cost of living, just giving people a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah, so obviously the pros of something like this is that everyone wants a bit more money. That's great. And it's an official acknowledgement of things being really tough right now. And there is an argument that, you know, money into the pockets of citizens equals money into the economy, which is what we saw back in the Kevin Rudd days of the global financial crisis. However, these days, 
that's not necessarily the trend that we're seeing anymore. COVID, potential warfare, the environment, increase of housing prices means that when people get a little bit of extra cash, they're actually trending towards putting it into their savings if they can afford to even do so. So this is Mm. not necessarily going to stimulate the economy in the way that we need it to. And also, potentially even more importantly, it's a once-off payment that isn't actually going to cover the costs. It's a very shiny once-off thing that isn't over a long-term period going to fix the problem that a lot of people are facing. The Labor Party haven't commented on that, but given they've been pretty close to the Liberal Party in terms of tax policy over the last few years, maybe they will just mirror that cash payment in an effort to kind of not be too controversial. It will cost upwards of $10 billion if they give out this 300 individual dollar cash payment ahead of the election. So yeah, it's a huge chunk of money, obviously. It's an interesting one with this election because knowing that this is the party that in the media is you know, often brandished with increasing the federal debt, I can't see them drumming this point home too much in the coming weeks because they know that it can affect votes. Mm. So on one side, they'll be saying, you know, let's support people on low income and let's uh, try and fix this problem. But on the other side, they're going to be fearful that if they promise too much, that the Liberal Party is going to attack them and say, well, you're just going to increase the debt. Strategically, it would be nice for them to actually provide a clear point of difference and, you know, steering away from that fear and actually see if there's some kind of substantial infrastructural change that they could actually consider Mm. to help pull people out of poverty. But I just don't know if we're going to see that when there's only less than two months to the election. Yeah, Albo said on 60 Minutes there with Carl Stefanovic a couple of weeks ago that he's just trying to play it safe. Labor always gets burnt by coming out with grand plans, so they're going to try and take it a bit easy this time ahead of the election. So I think you're probably right. I don't think we'll see much. But I ain't spending any time on it. Now, we are going to talk about a bit of a sensitive topic. Just after we released our last episode, news broke that Federal Labor Senator Kimberly Kitching had passed away from a sudden heart attack earlier this month. Her funeral was held in Victoria at the start of this week, which was attended by friends and family and politicians. So obviously very sad news having a sitting member pass like that. Yeah, so a lot of speculation has occurred since her death surrounding how she was potentially treated by other members of the Labor Party. There are tales of factional warfare and bullying, and these have routinely come to light since the senator's death. So this factional warfare, you might have heard, it it seems to be trotted out in every news report about it. And we spoke a little bit about it in the Liberal and Labor Party decodes, but factions are basically just like groupings of people within the party who kind of have policy ideas or um, you know general points that they work to it's really just like which tables you sit on in the schoolyard you know what I mean you got a group over here you got a group over there traditionally the Labor Party has the right faction and the left factions and so Kitching was part of this right faction she was basically given the Senate ticket in 2016 by Bill Shorten who was kind of the leader of the right faction which apparently put off a fair few people on the left faction, which is the likes of um, Christina Keneally, Penny Wong, etc., etc. So there's all this factional warfare. So these two groups of people fighting about different things and pushing for power within the party. It's all a fucking bit of a joke to outsiders. Like, it just looks like stupid political bullshit. But anyway, that's one big thing that's been talked about is the factional warfare. And then there have been allegations of bullying. And so 
the allegations have come from friends and family of Kitching and from people um, who are, you know, very closely allied to Kitching like uh, Sky News and the Daily Telegraph and Murdoch talking heads who generally are always talking uh, a lot of shit about the Labor Party. They have come out and also said there are allegations of bullying. So without going too much into the merits of any of it, the allegations generally are about a couple of things so there was language used as we mentioned at the top of the show about penny wong saying things like you might understand that there's a climate emergency if you had children um other behavior that kitching reported to people within the party that she was being bullied by people on that left faction then there were a couple of other things that were happening there was this pre-selection issue which is that she's a senator she's given a pre-selection ticket for the labor party so when the state of Victoria, all votes, they divvy up the votes and the Labor Party gets a certain amount of seats. And so she was given a seat in 2016 and they were dangling over her head a couple of weeks ago that we might not give you this pre-selection in the 22 election. So we're not guaranteeing that you're going to be in the Senate after the next election. So apparently dangling that over her head and using that as a little bit of a power play. And then the final one was there was this tactics committee, which is like some Senate group that has, you know, internal role within the Senate and asking questions and inquiries and all that sort of stuff. She got kicked out of that Senate inquiry because the likes of Keneally, Wong and Katie Gallagher allegedly believe that she leaked details of Labor's knowledge of the Brittany Higgins rape allegations to the Liberal Party. So they believe that she leaked that and as a result they kicked her out. They didn't actually have any kind of formal process to investigate whether she did leak it or not and as a result she alleged that she was being bullied. So there's all this stuff that goes on and we won't comment too much on that but it has been curious to see the responses from both sides. Uh, you notice particularly that there's been a real kind of polarising position from both sides of politics on this, Les? Yeah, so I think it's important to, like you said, contextualise all of this because there are very legitimate concerns about how Kitching was treated in her place of work and that is something that should potentially be investigated, absolutely. But it, like you said, it's kind of hard to say if these incidents were isolated or if she was indeed copying the full force of a factional takedown. And so on one side, you've got Sky News host Peter Credlin saying if Labor Senator Kimberly Kitching wasn't handed to death by her Labor colleagues, it was at the very least a contributing Factor, Which is a fucking hectic thing to say. Yeah. Essentially, the Labor Party killed her. Yeah, it's a really intense thing to say. And it's obviously very emotive language that is being used literally in the mourning period of this person before the funeral Mm. even happened. The term mean girls has been thrown around against um, the senior female Labor politicians who have been accused of these things. And this is a term that, although isn't, you know, that sinister, there is a little bit of infantilization of women. And that has kind of spurred this backlash from Labor people coming out and defending and saying, we're not mean girls, we're not this, we're not that. And, you know, that in some ways, like, yes, you can see how people are called to action to defend when something mm. like that is said, but also they could have taken the higher ground and just gone, we're not going to comment on this yet. We're going to take a week or two to mourn and be respectful of the family and then, you know, talk about, okay, maybe we do need to investigate this officially. And if yeah. something significant did happen, then it needs to be addressed. Yeah, I completely agree there, Les, on the investigation thing. And I will say something about that in a sec. But I just want to mention how I think this just reiterates how cold and fucked politicians can be in the head like 
in terms of what's actually happened, their colleague died, mm. right? Like that's pretty devastating news. Someone that you work with and see has just died. And instead of everyone, as you said, just going, oh, righto, let's not play politics. Let's mourn. Let's respect the family. Let's remember one of our colleagues who has just passed away. It was like within days straight into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? The people on the you know the liberal side of politics and in within the Murdoch press were starting to push that Labor killed her, Labor did this. And then on the other side, Gallagher and Wong and Cornelia coming out uh, refuting claims of bullying and refuting the claims that they're mean girls. And I understand that the sledge of mean girls is not a great sledge. It's um, pretty distasteful. But I also don't understand why the Labor Party couldn't have just come out and said, hey, look, out of respect to Kimberley, we're not talking about this understand there's allegations of bullying in a couple of weeks time let's have a conversation about an investigation into this about looking at what may have happened in terms of the labor party they were pretty adamant that they wanted an investigation into the behavior of christian porter um, for what allegedly happened a couple of decades ago they were pretty adamant they wanted an investigation into the way linda reynolds and michaelia cash handled the allegations made by Brittany higgins against a liberal staffer so if you're calling for investigations into internal party behavior and then you have a pretty significant event happen within your party it does seem pretty rich that you're saying well we're not going to investigate this because it's a sensitive issue what happened in the liberal party was very sensitive issues but you still called for an investigation so i think it's pretty rich that they're sitting back and doing that and as you said if there's nothing to hide just have the investigation the whole thing's just horrible and i just feel really sorry for her friends and family the last thing i'm going to say my final thought i can't help but think that if this happened during a time where we didn't have an election that maybe maybe we would be encouraged to not respond in such a quick rapid fire violent way we would Mm. actually feel more compelled to give this thing room to breathe before then dissecting and analyzing it Mm. but because the time pressure is on for an election and everyone's very heated and feeling very defensive about what's going to happen in two months time they've let that get in the way again sickening confirms that there's some pretty crook stuff that goes on in the world of politics a rough note to end on this week but it's been a big issue and it's something that we need to talk about but that is where we'll leave it for this week's episode of news from the trough i'm wendell hussey and i'm leslie burley have a good week and we'll talk to you soon bye-bye